Welcome back to the Loftcast, QPR's official podcast. I'm Ian Taylor from the QPR media team. And today I'm joined by club ambassador Andy Sinton and my esteemed media colleague Paul Morrissey. This week we'll look back on our last two fixtures against Rhythm and Bristol City as well as previewing Saturday's trip to Sheffield Wednesday. We're also joined by former R's Glenn Roder and this guy. Three to the edge of the area, lines up the shot, beats the defender, all goes up, what a save! What a save, Alex Finneys! He turned and shot to the far post! It got for all the world as though he must score! What a save by Spinney's! First thing, sir, so guys, let's uh, look back to Saturday and the uh, successful launch of the Forever R's Club, our newly formed ex-players association. Andy Sinton, you were the host with the most on the day and it seems a great day was had by all. That was a brilliant day, uh, you know, to see the uh, the old boys, uh, I, I say that nicely, um, you know, from the past who've served our club with pride, passion, distinction over a number of years. To see them back um, was really, really good. You know, I spent a lot of time chatting, talking, laughing, reminiscing about all the good times and memories and matches that were each and every one of them had associated with this with this football club and the day whizzed by and uh, I thought um, the main event was the half-time sort of um, you know walk out absolutely brilliant 14 inductees in week one and of course uh, the biggest two of them always save for the legendary Stan Bowles how was Stan because obviously we're well aware that he's going through a tough battle at the moment yeah, he was fine and quite rightly so, the biggest cheer, you know, um, I was going to say arguably, but undoubtedly he's QPR's best ever player, uh, favourite player, uh, so yeah, it's only right and proper that the best or the biggest cheer was uh, saved for him. How was he on the day? He was fine, um, I think it did him a bit of good, you know, you could um, you could see him before the game just having a look around the stadium and not quite sure about certain things. But I, I stood closely with him on the pitch, and it, when he was out on the pitch, it almost uh, you know brought a, a little twinkle to his eye and mm. perked him up a little bit, and he, he was looking around, and it was great. It was great to see him. But not only Stan, you know all the all the other boys, as I've already said, who've um, served this club magnificently over the years. It was great to see them, and um, we have to continue that. Yeah, very much so. The likes of Kevin Gallen, Martin Rowlands, Mark Bertram here from um, not too long ago, and then going further back. Um, Ian Morgan, um, Phil Parks, um, there was plenty of guys here and it was great and Paul you were on match day PA duties, I wasn't stood too far away from you but you were the one that was introducing them on, what was the atmosphere like down there pitch side because it seemed to really emanate around the stadium? Yeah it was really good and what was, what I personally really liked about it was that it was across all ages, it was across all ages so you had like you say the more recent ones like Mark Bircham, uh Kevin Gallen, Martin Rowlands and then right back to Ian Gillard, Stan Bowles. And even though if you think in that stadium of, what was there, 15,000 people, how many people are actually old enough to have watched Stan Bowles play? Mm. And yet it was, as you say, Andy, the biggest cheer was saved for Stan Bowles. And I think it's great, and that's where the Forever Arts Club will work really well, is that it's going to help the younger generation of fan know and understand the history of the football club. And you can see how that's worked in recent years with Stan Bowles. Everyone's aware of his situation, but Mm. more than that, everyone's aware of who he is and what he did at QPR. So I could see it in the paddocks. You had children who wouldn't have a... Well, they do have a clue who Stan Bowles is. They really wouldn't have a clue just how good a player he was, but Mm. they had an understanding. And I think that's what's so important for a club like QPR's. And that's what Mark Bertram said on the pitch as well about 
the younger generations knowing about the history of their club and learning about it in a way that isn't laborious, if you like, with the best will in the world. Younger fans aren't going to sit and read about Stan Bowles or Ian Gillard yeah. or 1967. But if we as a club can show them in ways like that what this club is about, then it can only be good. And it seems to be working with that reception that Stan got. And I spoke to Birch uh, on Monday just to get some feedback from him. And I know you spoke to all the guys that were inducted. And Birch said it was great from his point of view because there were certain players he was stood next to on the pitch that were up on his, up on his wall as, you know, as poster boys, as it were when he was coming through supporting QPR. So it's, it wasn't just great for the supporters, but great for the guys too. Great for all the guys, you know. Um, as you quite rightly said, I've spoke to each and every one of them since the since the launch. The feedback was brilliant, you know. Uh, I must say a lot of hard work by, and a lot of people went into the day, and to see it all come together uh, was brilliant, but it'll certainly do those guys a lot of good. And someone like Clyde Wilson said he, he, he spent time speaking to Ian Gillard and Phil Parks, who they hardly know each other, you know, but Football can bring got in common is they used to play for QPR. Football can bring you together, and that's where the stories and the reminiscent. Uh, and as I say, it was it was a great day, and I, was, I felt honoured, humbled, privileged to to play my very small part in it. And three more um, former R's inducted in on Tuesday night: John Hollins, Mike Barber, and our podcast guest Glenn Roder, who we'll hear from soon. And the plan is Andy. I mean, I've seen a lot of tweets. Why haven't you inducted X? Why haven't you inducted Y? Why haven't you inducted Z yet? But it's going to be a gradual process now. Well, what we came up with, you know, um, we've sat down over a number of months. That didn't just come together in a week. There's been a lot of planning went into that day. And, you know, we've got a very limited uh, time slot at half-time. Once the players get off and various things going on and, you know, the players coming back out. So we almost thought 14 might be a little bit too top-heavy. But, you know what, we could have had 1,040 <laughs> on, on, on Saturday. You know, where there's no pecking order. There's no just best players it's people we feel in various capacities have served this great football club with honour with distinction and deserve their rightful place of coming back here and taking the acclaim and that's not just players that like you say have done it on the pitch there'll be others that I mean you look at Mike Barber I think who made just 70 appearances I say just it's still a, a magnificent effort in the 60s but there's other players that perhaps have had a as big an impact off the pitch as they add on it, and we'll we'll be paying tribute to those as well. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're. It's a. It's almost like an all-inclusive club, basically. People who've served the club in various capacities, um, gone out of the way in different roles within the football club. Yes, it's great to see the players who've excelled on the pitch, but that's actually not just what it's all about. There's various factors that come into it, and uh, over the the weeks, the months, and the years, I certainly look forward to welcoming many, many past. QPR players back and one guy who like we said was here on Tuesday night was Glenn Roder we caught up with Glenn not just on Tuesday night but also at the recent Stan Bowles benefit lunch recently where he gave us a glowing insight into the man that is Stanley Bowles Glenn we're here at Hatchets in London raising funds for Stan Bowles why do you feel it was important for you to be here today well, most importantly, he was a fantastic person, first of all. I enjoyed his company uh, while we were teammates. Uh, it's easily, easy for me to say what a fantastic player he was, which he was. One of my favourites of all time that I ever played with. You know, um, if there's a better player than Stan Bowles that I played with, I can't remember his name. That's how high I, uh, the regard I hold Stanley in. Uh, but as a, as a human being, day-to-day arena training ground he was just such a good person to be uh, around a real fun guy 
whenever people talk about Stan Bowles, they can't help but smile. What makes him so special? Well, the, I think in terms of, well, first of all, as a person, everyone liked him. But in terms of when he was on the football field, he made you smile because how he played the game. He had a unique talent. I mean, his left foot was like a wand. I, mean, I remember that one season, I think Clive Allen and Paul Goddard scored 50 goals between them. Of those 50, I would think Stan probably made 30, 35. But that final pass, cutting in from the right and clipping them in and uh, giving, them, giving them the opportunity to score uh, the goals that they did that season. But uh, no, I, I always believe players without a mount of talent and technical ability, they're not coached to be like that. They're, they're what I call born, they're God-given talents. And um, it's a shame he never got the opportunity to play many more times for England because he certainly had the talent. QPR fans hold him very dearly in their hearts and you can understand why. Oh, absolutely. Because I think most supporters want to go to a, uh, a game of football and see uh, players do something that they can't do. Or, you know, there's so many players now that lack that technical ability um, and just, if you want, you know, miscontrol the ball, give the ball away, stand in and do those things. You know, I can't ever remember him miscontrolling the ball and then he would weave, weave past players with his dribbling skills easily and it, it made people happy. Uh, it certainly made him happy. And I bet he was great for the camaraderie of the dressing room and down at the training ground as well. Uh, yeah, he was, he was just a character. I mean, they say there isn't the characters in the game today that there was, and that's absolutely true. I, I, I wouldn't like to say what that reason is for, uh, that there aren't the same characters, uh, but he was certainly rank up there. You know, the Frank Worthingtons, the Stanley Bowles, the Georgie Bests, you know, all these players that were also characters as well as great footballers. And just finally, you had the pleasure to play with him. Putting your manager's hat on, how would you have coped with him if he was one of your players? Uh, I'd been quite easily. He'd have been the first pick every week on the team sheet. I can't say any more than that. Out to the right-hand side in Luongo. In comes the goal. Yes! Yeah! Get in there! Andy, looking at the game against Bristol City, City came to Loftus Road on the back of a defeat, but on a recent run of good form, fifth place in the league, so very tough opposition, but the manner of the performance as well as the three points, so pleasing. Yeah, first and foremost, Bristol City are a good good side, you know, you know, fifth in the league by uh, a fluke. Or by luck. Um, Certainly not at this stage of the season, 12, 13 games gone. Exactly, you know, um, made some good signings, uh, Lee Johnson, but uh, I thought tonight was all about us. You know, um, I think we've been said, and it's been well said, our home form hasn't been great. You know, the performances haven't been good, and we, we haven't had a win since the Leeds game, where we were excellent. But tonight, a bit more, or a lot better in terms of the energy and front foot and getting that teams and forcing, I think we must have, 15 corners you know not that we didn't make much of them but you know that's what fans at Loftus Road want to see more front foot football and I say delighted for everybody who was key or what was key to the more high pressing high intense approach what was the reason you would put that down to uh, I wouldn't put it down to any one thing you know but when when 
Jimmy came and there was a lot of performances last season where that's where what we played like and there's been a few this season and there's been uh, this season and there's been bits of performances now the second half against Birmingham we were excellent um, but we haven't found it consistently enough at home but uh, tonight we were bang at it we defended quite well um, Silla scored a great goal but you know I want to give uh, a mention to Alex Smith because two minutes before that he's pulled out an unbelievable save uh, when the fellow's one-on-one -on -one staring down the barrel he stood big and he's made a save and that's football you know two minutes later you go and win the game and like you say we had a lot of chances Bristol City didn't have too many but that was such a crucial save at such a crucial point and it almost gave us another lift and then a few minutes later we take the lead yeah exactly as I say uh, Alex has I think now for 10 months or a year he's been excellent when he's played uh, it's a great save but you know um, willingness to win tonight as were you know our fans you can you could sense you know just the will to get over the line it's been a difficult few weeks for many reasons um, you know our performances haven't been great we've been drawn games which is okay keep stacking up the points but you, you need to turn tied games into wins and we've done that tonight and uh, I say I think that'll give everyone a lift to win at Loftus Road Massimo Luongo back in the side and him and Ariel Burishuk they seem to complement each other ever so well in the centre well I give I was asked to give uh, Massimo a, a player of the month an award on Saturday and he had just come back from international duty uh, I think he's been our best player by far all season you know uh, for some <coughs> for someone who's not uh, renowned for a defensive midfield player he's probably won more tackles than anyone in the league and he's probably been our most creative player as well and I thought you know where uh, we missed him at the weekend but he was back in the thick of the action tonight and I thought he was excellent uh, again. And a special word on Connor Washington. He works tirelessly for the team down that left-hand side. He nearly scored, crashing one off the bar. He's, he's growing in confidence. He's taking shots that are half chances and coming ever so close. That comes from a run of games, you know, and feel like you belong and you've, you've got a role to play in the side. And, you know, he got his goal at Fulham and... Uh, He's putting his shift in for the side, and I've got no doubt, you know, with his energy, with his work rate, with what he's got, there'll be more goals to come from him. What can that do for a dressing room? Because you look at the recent set of results, the last five games, unbeaten in five, nine points from those five games, but the manner of the performance, the result against the team in the top six, what would that dressing room be like shortly after that final whistle? I'll be buoyed. <clears throat> There'll be uh, a lot of relief. You know, you can sense it around the stadium. It's certainly censored from me on commentary. You know, uh, I get a little bit nervous, and you you see things in the last few minutes, and you just because that's yeah, people care, players care, uh, the staff will care. So it'll do everyone the, the the power of good. You know, there's no easy games at this level. We've got a massive one at the weekend, as we've spoke about. That's a great three points against a side who I don't think be too far away. It shows what this QPR squad is capable of as well, doesn't it? The talent's there. You just got to find it a little bit more on a more consistent level, and certainly in front of your own fans. Uh, I think I was talking the other day, and on our podcast, it's time now for the players to stand up and be counted and show what we believe they can do. And they did that against Bristol City, and I thought we got the three points that we deserved. And the fans at the end, at the final whistle, they certainly showed their appreciation. And again, you just got the feeling. It wasn't an appreciation for the three points. It was an appreciation for so much more what they witnessed over the 90, 95 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the five minutes. Uh, you know, fans, they, they come, they, they they don't turn up with a view to moaning. They they turn up with a view to supporting their team, which they followed since they were, you know, born, if you like. Uh, and they'll just, <clears throat> they'll want their side and their players 
to pull a blue and white shirt on and to run through brick walls and to really they'll they'll forgive bad passes, missed chances, mistakes. Uh, what they won't forgive is um, what's perceived to be a, a, a lack of effort or a lack of trying or commitment. I'm not saying we haven't had that, but you know the fans were absolutely brilliant tonight, as they have been all season. I have to say, and it's not you know to get people on side with the club. I think this season, and it's been a uh, a topsy-turvy so far you know but you, you're sitting one or two points outside playoff places and we haven't hit any height yet so stick together as a club keep the support going get behind the players and let's see where we can go and here they come through Mide Shadipo he's going to chip it over the top it comes into the path of the player rushing on and it's into the back of the net wonderful run from Jolek and he turns it in I'm not sure the ball from Shadipo was intended for him in the end, though, when he ran onto it, controlled it, and then slid it past Al Habsi, and they wanted to make some noise this afternoon, they've got their wish. Sholek scores, QPR 1, Reading 0. Looking back on Reading then, Andy, 1-1 one, one draw, another draw. Um, fair result on Saturday? Probably a fair result. Um, frustrating, was Frustrating. It? I'm not going to sit here. You know, I, I have to be brutally honest. I thought it was a poor performance from us. Um, you know, we... We started off really, really well. Scored with a great goal. You know, well done to Powell for getting his first goal for the club. It's always important. But after that, we let them back in the game. Didn't defend uh, their goal. I felt particularly well. You know, you got to work hard at stop crosses. You got to pick up in the box. Um, so it went against us. Then we huffed and we puffed. And I, if I'm being brutally honest, with 15, 20 minutes ago, I would have took a point. So mm. in my mind, it was a point gained. You've answered all my questions already. So no, I'm joking. But just going back to Pavel uh, Shalek. Show it. Show so it. Is it, is it f at the start? Show it. Show it. Going back to Pavel's goal. I'm reliably informed. <laughs> I, I could have insulted from the man himself. <laughs> Going back to Pavel's first goal in QPR colours. Not just a good finish, but the ball from uh, Olamide Shadipo was particularly mm. impressive. It was a great goal, actually, because even before um, Shadipo's ball, uh, Borisek's made a great uh, challenge. Press. Yeah. Um, when Redding won on the counter attack, you know, so he wins at a breaks. Young Mide takes a 10 yards. Picks out Pavel's run and a great control finish, you know, chest and a, a, co a composed volley. So, what was that, 15 minutes? And I'm thinking, okay, following the Fulham game. Yeah, but then know, seven what, minutes. What a great it? start. But we just got pegged back. And maybe if we'd have just stayed in that position of winning for another five or six minutes, who knows? But as I say, just seemed to knock us. And that equaliser, Paul, came seven minutes later and probably against the run of play at that stage because, like Andy said, we, we were we were edging proceedings at that stage but yeah. the manner in which we conceded was Yeah, really it was. It was disappointing. I actually thought it was just going to come out of play but he did well to keep it in before putting the cross in. But what was almost surprising was in the lead-up, it was all about Reading's possession, how they like to keep the ball and there'll be periods where you don't see a lot of it and I was almost expecting that from the off. But mm. like you say, we started really brightly and we were pushing them back and there was, seemed to be that high energy in the middle of the park and that was perfectly demonstrated by Ariel Borishuk winning the ball high up the field and then it resulting in the goal. I mean, the assist from Shadipo was, was great pretty ball. outrageous, yeah, really. Was it? There was, he had a couple of options to have that awareness and self-confidence to, to just lift it like he did was, was brilliant. And it'd be interested, Andy, to hear your views on just how Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is bringing Olamide Shadipo on because I think fans want to see him play every week because he's got that fearless approach. He likes to take players on. He likes to try things. But the manager has been very smart with how he's introducing him. Sometimes he starts and gets taken off. Sometimes he comes on as a, as a sub. What do you make of how he's been brought on? 
I like what I see with uh, the young lad. You know, he's he's positive, he's direct. As you quite rightly says, he comes with no sort of baggage. He comes with no fear. That's the beauty of youth. Sometimes you're not bothered who you're playing against or uh, the situation. You just go and play. I think he needs to be managed um, the way he's being managed here, yeah, because in a struggling side, particularly at home, uh, which we have been of, of, of late, you know. Um, might pick up a little bit of negativity certain times. I thought he was excellent when he came on at Fulham as, a, as an impact mm. and probably changed the game mm. in our favour at 1-1. Um, Saturday did some good things, but um, he's going in the right direction. Yeah, you need to be patient. I see things in his game that he needs to work on, but he's 19 years old. He's going to have ups and downs, but I've been really impressed with him. Well, without obviously hammering the guy, what sort of things? Because obviously you as a former winger can see things that we wouldn't, See just, ourselves. Just, just little things, you know, getting himself on half turn to receive. You know, sometimes he receives with his back to goal and then can only take his first touch backwards. Um, when to pass, when to dribble, when to take people on. And sometimes, just as all wingers, me included, you know, final ball can sometimes improve, but that's practice, that's training ground routines. Um, and once you practice it and replicate it, can you reproduce it when the, when the heat's on, sort of thing? But uh, he's done well. Times have changed now, and wingers don't necessarily grab the touchline like perhaps you used to back in your day. But that was a good example on Saturday, wasn't it, of him coming inside and having an impact? I think the the, the game's changed. You know, people say oh, I was an out-and-out winger. I found myself... I was talking to Clive Wilson about it the other day. I played wide and hugged the touchline, but I knew when to come in and take like a half position, mm. and that just evolved. And sometimes the half positions, that inside position, is the hardest for fullbacks to pick you up. You just need then people to spot you, get you on the ball at the right time, and let you do your stuff. You look at that Liverpool Man United game, Red Monday, Dead Monday, whatever you want to call it, Monday, whatever you want to call Sleep it. But both, you know, two two teams at the peak of their powers in the English game, European game, world game. No wingers. Very much own the wingers. It's a dying art. Uh, uh, the wingers that were on show almost played as double fullbacks. You know, I'm looking at Rashford, and England international, almost played as a fullback. He's all a striker, night. though, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so as a centre forward, almost been asked to play in a back five or six. Yeah. And we're talking about, as you quite rightly say, the the highest level of our game. Um, but yeah, it was pretty tepid stuff last night. Uh, I watched it on my own, but I was struggling to keep awake. Somebody that did come on and did end up playing in a wide role was Connor Washington on Saturday. I think he was probably on the bench owing to his exertions um, in Europe with Northern Ireland, albeit he didn't play in their second game, but did quite a bit of travelling last week. He's a player now that looks like he's going to get regular game time, whereas earlier in the campaign, his confidence was quite low. He obviously came on, he scored the, he started the game against Fulham, scored in that game to give us a lead. He looks like a player who's got a little bit more confidence about him yeah, now, that, and that's that's massive, isn't it? That comes from playing in. You know, uh, there's nothing better than being on the pitch. Uh, I know he sat out the first half of the, uh, the other day's game, but he's had a run of games. Can benefit people. You feel like you belong. Uh, he got his goal at Fulham. I know it was a little bit dubious, but in my opinion, it was his goal. And uh, you, you like to think that'll kick him on. He works his socks off for the team. Mm -hmm. You know, whether he plays up the middle on his own with someone or wide. So, as I say, onwards and upwards for Connor. And um, we can only wish him well, get a, another run in the team. And let's hope he starts finding the, some goals that we need. And Paul at the other end of his pitch, and I know you're. You spoke to Alex Smithies and we'll catch up with him very shortly. Um, in that game against Reading, he was like a, almost a loath of Mateus at the back there, just <laughs> sweeping everything up. Yeah, I think he he's a goalkeeper. He, he came out three or four times. Four headers in the match. But it was it, it was interesting that afterwards. Well, Andy made well, in his I career. Say. <laughs> <laughs> afterwards, uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank said, "Well, almost that's it was a little bit part of his remit because of our style of play. It was 
like Smithies had been warned, you've got to watch for that ball over the top when they try to turn us and be straight on your toes. And he timed everyone to perfection. And even when he didn't get to the ball first, he put in a lovely sliding tackle. And Great then, tackle, wasn't it? does that come from us playing Owen to injuries, from probably playing four centre backs across the back four? Not necessarily as quick on the turn as a fullback might be, and therefore he's having a sweep or. Possibly uh, a little bit. You know, I thought we'd give the ball away in poor areas yeah. where you're slightly out of um, out of position or not quite set, so one ball can can hurt you. But it's a big part of being a, a modern day goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, this ability to come and almost be a, a keeper sweeper, if you like. You know, and good with your feet. We see it at the highest levels now. But Alex, as I say, it's not nice to say, but I thought he was our probably our best player again at the at the weekend. What he had to do, both in terms of distribution, he made a couple of good saves, mm. and uh, he's doing ever so well. Well, Alex, one place to start, really, looking at that win over Bristol City. Not just the three points, but the manner of that performance as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was um, an excellent performance and we we had to fight hard at times and we showed that resilience to, to keep them out and, and hold on for the win. So, all in all, you know, an excellent result. You say about keeping them out, there was a vital save at nil-nil. Uh, you denying Bobby Reid. Just talk us through the save. We were on the attack. They caught us on the break. He's cut inside and he's got the whole goal to weigh him at and you managed to quickly shut him down. Yeah, I mean, uh, he wasn't running on goal with Ar- with Ariel. Um, I think we all see that Ariel likes to elastic sliding tackle. Um, so I'm thinking if he, if, he do- if he does end up chopping it, it's going to be a one-on-one. So as soon as Ariel slid in and he chopped back inside, you know, I just tried to get us as close to him as I possibly could, uh, made myself big and managed to get an arm to it. Yeah, it was noticeable. You were waiting to see how that unfolded and as soon as he's cut inside, you were straight on your toes. So mentally, are you consciously thinking, I've got to prepare for the, the shot quickly, but if yeah. that doesn't happen, I've got to be straight out. So you're, you're thinking about the scenarios while it's unfolding. Yeah, I mean, he was on his left foot at first, so... Um... And Ariel was was sort of cutting off my left hand side of the goal, so my first instance is to say back um, and try to give myself a bit of thinking time and reaction time. Um, and as soon as it becomes a one on one situation when Ariel slides in, then I've got to try and get as close to him as I possibly can to give myself the best chance. So um, all little decisions that goalkeepers have to make, and thankfully that one worked out. How much satisfaction do you take from that when QPR go on to win the game? Because James per- James Perch said afterwards. Had they scored at that point, it would have been very difficult for us to get back in because they would have sat back for the closing 15 minutes. Yeah, it was because you know we, we were on top, especially for the first part of the, the second half, and we needed to score. Um, so it was important that we you know, give ourselves that platform to win the game by, by just being able to take one goal and not give anything away. Um, and, and thankfully, that was their one chance in the second half where they really had a good effort at scoring and we managed to keep them out and... Uh, thankfully the boys went up the other end and um, scored and we managed to hold out and great to keep a clean sheet when the back four seems to be decimated from week to week even on Tuesday evening against Bristol City Joel Lynch having to come off Nico Hamelainen coming in and doing a great job but the back four seems to be constantly changing which is far from ideal yeah I mean in an ideal world you'd you'd, you'd have a settled back four that, and where everyone knows the jobs and um, Obviously, with the injuries we've had, things have had to change around a little bit, but um, we've, we've adapted well, especially with Nico coming on and doing really well. Um, he's only a young lad with little experience so far, but I thought he performed very well and um, you know, it was a massive impact in, in keeping the clean sheet. And we're now five undefeated all of a sudden. You look back and you think, 
nine points from those five games, it's pushed us right up the table and things are all of a sudden looking so much rosier. Yeah, certainly. I mean, after quite a few of the last games where we've drawn, we've come in really disappointed. Uh, and providing that you're not getting beat and you are picking up wins along the way, then you start to turn the, do- the draws into half-decent results. So um, back-to-back wins is what we'll be looking for on Saturday. And um, you know, in getting those back-to-back wins, it can soon lift you up the table and in and around the playoffs. And you said, I've noticed when people talk about Alex Smithies now, whether it's QPR fans or football fans in general, they immediately start talking about penalties and penalty saves. And I, half of me wants you to tell me your secret. Half of me wants you to absolutely keep it to yourself. But do you have a tactic when it comes to saving penalties? But I don't want you to reveal it. But is there a tactic that you do have? Uh, yeah, certainly there are things that I like to do. Um, leading up to the game, looking at things and certainly looking at the psychology of penalty takers and um, and a lot and sometimes it comes down to instinct as well and um, just getting a gut feeling and trying to trust that. But uh, without giving too much away, you know, I am I'm, I'm pleased with the record and long may it continue. Do you enjoy the psychology of that battle? Yeah, I love I love all all that side of the game, the psychology and you know trying to affect people and you know make them more nervous get in their heads and um, you know tr- just try and put doubts in players minds and um, you know thankfully I've been able to do that once or twice and um, you know hopefully that continues incredibly over your career of the penalties that you faced 48% haven't ended up in the back of the net and with QPR that record is a staggering 71% so the pressure's almost on you QPR fans almost expect you to save it now I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, the, the thing about a goalkeeper facing penalties, you, you never really favour it. Um, despite those statistics there, you know, you, you're still not favourite to score. If the, if the striker does everything right, or whoever's taking the penalty does everything right, they should should really score. So you've just got to do as much as you can to affect it um, and hopefully can improve on those stats. Okay, you're only 26-year-old. You're still very young, but you've made more than 300 career appearances. You're very experienced for a 26-year-old. You must be so pleased with how your career is progressing. Obviously, when you first came to QPR, you worked under Rob Green, and I know you've said before you learned so much from training and working day in, day out with him. But now to have that number one shirt on your back and to be playing every week and your career progressing as it is, you must be so pleased. Yeah, I mean, I'm very pleased. Obviously, it was a big step moving to QPR. Um, and initially, um, it was difficult in not playing and when I've spent so much of my career as a first-choice goalkeeper, but uh, I worked really hard and you know I always had the focus in my mind that I wanted to play here and now um, I'm just using every opportunity I can to show people what I can do and try to help this team. And people know a lot about Matt Ingram already because he's played and he's done very well and Joe Lumley is also in and around as well. Tell us a little bit about Joe because there's a lot of talk about the younger players coming through at QPR and hopefully from your point of view Joe won't have that number one shirt at QPR for a little while but he seems to be a player of great potential as well Yeah I mean uh, the, the standard of goalkeeping in training sometimes it, you know, it really pushes you on because um, everyone's trying to get that, that place in the team luckily for the last few weeks I've managed to have it but when you've seen uh, Matt Ingram play he's done phenomenally well um, and I think he's going to have a fantastic career in the game he's already played quite a lot of games for a a young lad and he will continue to do so and as for Joe Lumley uh, an excellent prospect a big lad who's got everything really um, and I think it's just a matter of time before he shows everyone what he can do 
hopefully I can keep him out of the team. I know he's he's working really hard to try and get me out there, but um, he'll no doubt have a fantastic career in the game. He seems a confident lad as well. Is there any banter from him towards you about the number one shirt? Yeah, he's he's a, he's a confident lad. He's a, he's a but he's he's a lovely lad who works very hard. Um, so we have a really nice relationship. You know, we push each other on. Uh, we all know that we're after the same thing, but in doing that, we can sort of help each other and push each other on. So um, no, good luck to him. Okay, and Sheffield Wednesday this weekend, a team are only a point above us, but they're seventh place. Uh, level with a uh, sixth place as well so they're certainly eyeing up a, a playoff place at minimum that's what they achieved last season they're expected to be up there or thereabouts so Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough is a, a very tough challenge for QPR this weekend yeah it's um it is a tough game um always going to Hillsborough um and you know we're off the back of a decent result and you know a, st- a string of games where we've not we've not lost and we've been quite resilient and to hold out and so hopefully we'll build on that. We'll certainly be looking to win the game um, and you know, to make those draws look like better results. And uh, if we play like we did on Saturday, you know, we've got on Tuesday, so we've got, a, we've got a good chance. We've got a good record in, on the road as well, 10 points from six games in the, in the league. So it does seem we're, well, some would argue, we're set up well for an away side. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, bizarrely, yeah, up until, you know, the last game, you know, it seemed to be our, our way performances were getting getting more results, and um, you know we are set up that we we had to beat away from home, uh, and you know we we look at uh, look at games and making sure we don't get beat. But it's it's not only that we are we are looking to win the games, but it's obviously going away from home can be difficult at times. But um, I think with the confidence that's in the dressing room today coming in, um, everyone will be looking forward to the game, and we'll certainly be looking to win. Is there a, no- a noticeable buzz about the players on the back of that result over Bristol City? Yeah, it's been over the last few weeks. It's been a strange atmosphere because you know we were we sort of let ourselves a, l- a little bit down before the international break, and then before after the Fulham game, we picked our spirits up a little bit, and we've uh, managed to grind a few res- results out since then. So um, the atmosphere is definitely a lot better, um, and hopefully we can we can put that on the pitch and, and show everyone what we can do. <laughs> Okay, switching attentions to Sheffield Wednesday this weekend, Andy. Uh, a club you know a hell of a lot about. You played 80 times for the Owls. Good memories, bad memories, mixed memories? How would you assess it? Uh, no, good memories as a, as, a, as a club, you know. Um, big club, aren't they? A big club, you know. It's a proper old-fashioned stadium. You know, I remember going there as a six-year-old to watch Newcastle FA Cup semi-final and East Other semi-finals there, you know. Um, Really good. Went, went into the dressing room from goalkeeper right through to myself. Team full of internationals. Um, we probably should have done a little bit better than what we did in the time I was there. But I, I've, sometimes I look back on my own career, and if you've had six or seven clubs, I would probably say Sheffield Wednesday was the one club which didn't quite fit for Andy Sinton. I didn't quite hit the heights that I was used to and wanted to. Didn't do bad. Don't get me wrong, but you know, probably just had a year or two. Little things, you know, you you see with players far better than me and modern day and past. You know, players go to different clubs and things changes. I played four seasons here without missing a game. Went to Sheffield Wednesday, I played three or four games and I could hardly string three together for the first um, almost year. Broke my foot, had an ankle ligament injury, had a, a knee problem. You, know, you, you, you just can't get your head around it and that's where it plays tricks on you a little bit. But looking back at my time, some great people there. Um, I used to love playing at Hillsborough. Um, what does I say from a from a 
self-analytical position, I would probably say it was the one club where I didn't quite I say do the best I could. When that happens, when you miss, you play three games and you're out, and you come back in and you're out. Is it more difficult to play your natural game when you come back in because you're almost trying to do too much? Go look what I'm capable of. Uh, and yeah. so when you're not having that, whereas if you're having a run in the side, you're more relaxed and it happens more naturally. I think you're spot on. I was I was going to say. Um, when I look back at that time, I think the fee played a part. You know, I left here as the ninth record English transfer fee at the time. Um, I think I tried to slightly change a little bit to justify that. You could say, well, that's a weakness or a... a I'm going teeth white and, yep. and I'm going tan. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. But, uh, but yeah, I think I, uh, I probably tried to change a little bit and I certainly was guilty of trying too hard to maybe justify... Uh, one the fee, then two when you're in and out the side, you want to show people you know why they've paid all this mm -hmm. money for you, and you before you know it, you end up doing you're trying to do the right things, but doing the wrong things, and when they then come off, it's a vicious circle, and next time you get the ball, you yeah. try and take three people on and lose it again. It's a it's a it's Did, a sort of spiral. Dare I say there's a a link there with Connor Washington where he came mouth, just about he came for a, you know quite a, a Big bit of money, for and for someone who'd not played a championship before, he suddenly felt like you just said. I've got to justify that out Yeah, yeah, no, it, it happens. Some people can just put it behind you. And it, it, uh, but as I said, I've had seven clubs, and one out of seven, I've done things too bad. But it's quite strange. You know, I, was at, I was at QPR. I was in the England side. I lost my place during my time at Wednesday through injury. Never quite picked my form up to where I wanted it to be. Left to join another club in Tottenham Hotspur and got back in the England side. Mm. It's, it's, football's really, really strange sometimes the way it happens. Sometimes a certain club doesn't fit an individual and I'll put myself in that category but great times great memories part of my career I wouldn't um, no regrets uh, but I say we go up there Saturday and I know who I'm rooting for QPR there's certainly a side that many expect to be in the shake-up um, for promotion this year having gone very close last year Carlos Carvajal's done an excellent job done a brilliant job you know Sheffield Wednesday like most clubs has had a topsy-turvy number of years various managers off the field problems you know not going well on the pitch fans up in arms about certain situations but since he's come in you know um, he's, curve. he's done brilliant I thought they were one of the best sides we played last year um, I thought they would have once they got in the playoffs and I always thought they would from about March onwards um, once they got in the playoffs I thought they'd do it mm. but they got to the final and unfortunately speaking of a few people just didn't perform on no, the day froze on the day didn't, didn't perform on the day and they're back in this league but they'll, they'll be a force to reckon with and uh, it's game on do you think we're at a stage where it's normally it's all about three points? Are we at a stage in a season where it's quite rare, but a performance is almost more important than the points? Like if you look at our recent results against Birmingham, Burton, Albion, Fulham and Reading, we picked up six points from those four games. Now, one and a half points a game is playoff form. And yet, through those results, the fans weren't particularly mm. happy and it was more almost not about the points because six points from those four, from four games Personally isn't bad. Personally speaking, I don't think it's the form here at Loftus Road. Oh, sorry, I think it's the form here at Loftus yeah. Road as yeah, opposed to on the road. We we beat Fulham. Um, could have lost the game, granted. Um, we won away at Wigan where I thought if any team was going to win, it was going to be us. We eased a victory at Cardiff early mm. on in the campaign as well. I think the real issue at the minute is the home form here because you always think of, go back to your time, Andy, Loftus Road being a fortress just can't find that winning formula at the minute consistently consistently mm. you know I think 
I think you're 100% right. You know, this is where our problems have been. There, there might be a few factors into that, but what I would say is it's now up to the players at Loftus Road, you know, to, to, to get on that field, to puff the chest set and go and play with some real zip and energy and desire, not stupidly, not just running around like headless chickens, you know, but really just trying to get this crowd that we've all seen from time to time and not enough lately because of what they're seeing on the pitch. If we get this crowd with us, as I've said many, many times, there's no better place to play. But we have to start turning this home form around. Yep, we're drawing games. But as I say, um, we need to be putting in better performances. And performances usually mirror your results. Mm. The better you play, usually, unless you're unlucky, you will win games. Uh, and we haven't, if I'm being brutally honest, haven't played well enough to win games of late at Loftus Road. The support on the road has certainly been exceptional all season. Um, certainly at Fulham, you look back, uh, 3,500, I think there was, uh, made the short journey down the road. Sheffield Wednesday go into Saturday's game, of course, um, having beaten High Fly in Huddersfield. They play Cardiff on Wednesday night. We're filming, or sorry, I should say, we're recording that prior to this game. Predictions then for the weekend. Um, never an easy place to go, Hillsborough. QPR fans will hark back to that wonderful day at Hillsborough and promotion, but um, that was many moons ago. It's a really difficult place now to go and get a result. Difficult place, good they side. They all are, though, aren't they? No, they all are. God, there's no easy games. I keep saying that uh, the risk of becoming boring, but... Uh, who knows what, what what the weekend's going to be, but you know our away form has been actually, we seem to be better away from home, where we can probably sit back and soak up a little bit and come stronger towards the end of games as we've done time and time again. You know, you mentioned the Cardiffs, the uh, the Wigan games, uh, Fulham we scored late on, mm. even though we weathered a real sort of battering and rode our luck. But, but then we finished that, for, all right, there was the craziness after our goal, yeah. but in the 10, 15 minutes leading up to Silla's goal, we were came actually strong. Strong. the better side. Once it was the, almost once, like once the subs were introduced, Fulham, yeah. Fulham were a bit uh, punch, well not punch wrong, it was a bit more rope-a-dope from, from QPR, <laughs> they thrown everything at us and then we, we, we did them at the end. But going to Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday fans will look at this and go three points there, win, yeah. three points, and if we can keep them keep them out, keep them quiet, frustrate them, we could hopefully turn, well, it's a turn that si to a our advantage. A little bit similar to last year when we went up there, you know, they were going really, really well. Yeah. Um, you know, we, it was midweek, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, midweek. Uh, we weathered a bit of a storm. I think Alex saved a, another penalty. Um, <laughs> then we Danny Toza scored, scored from 25 yards and unfortunately, just like Saturday, we seven or eight minutes later, they, they turned around and got one back. So, difficult game, but come on, I'm QPR, we're going to win.